Welcome to Wiglaw Podcasts by me, Gordon Wignall. I'm a barrister at the Bar of England and Wales and also at the Bar of Ireland. I specialise in waste, pollution and nuisance law. Today's podcast is about the question whether or not it is possible to vary an abatement notice once it's been served. I'm very pleased to say that I've been joined again by Mark Davis, a colleague in Chambers in London. Well, thanks very much for having me on again, Gordon, and um, I think you've got a case that's going to assist us with this issue of varying a notice, is that right? I shall try and say enough about the facts to put this in context. So um, I'm involved in a case which has been going on for, for many years. We served an abatement notice about 10 years uh, ago, and in that notice there's a schedule which says that uh, we have a power to vary the notice. So the notice itself doesn't say that uh, we're entitled to vary uh, what we've asked the recipient to do. It's the schedule, the long, complicated schedule, which uh, uh, refers to the right to vary once we've been asked to do it by the, the operator, that is, the recipient of the notice. So I've come across these before in a number of complex statute nuisance cases, and uh, it's worked very well between the local authority and the operator. The problem really comes from the local residents who are affected by the issue in question. So that's, that's broadly uh, how I've met this particular problem, Mark. Well, thanks, because I think it's right, isn't it, that there's actually no power within the statutory scheme to amend a notice once it's been served. Is that right? That is right. Again, we've discussed this before, we're back to the skeletal system under Part 3 of the Environmental Protection Act, and there's nothing in it about uh, varying a notice. But you'll remember that uh, there's a statute nuisance case, rather a well-known one, about the question of whether or not there's a power to withdraw an abatement notice once it's been served. And that's the case of um, R and Bristol City Council, I believe, isn't it? It certainly is. This is the, uh, the case about the high staircase and the question of whether or not that was a statutory nuisance. And you'll remember that the local authority eventually got round to withdrawing the notice and there was a question about uh, whether that was actually possible. Mm. And I seem to remember that the court in that case concerned itself with the sort of thrust of the relevant provisions under the Act, and I think it came to the conclusion that a power of withdrawal was consistent with and served to promote rather than undermine the legislative scheme. That's right. It's a rather curious set of judgments. So some submissions are made by counsel in the case, they're adopted by the judge at first instance, and then in the Court of Appeal a little bit is said about that, but the judge in the Court of Appeal says well, it seems fine. Uh, there must be a power to be implied in the statute which allows an abatement notice to be withdrawn. So that's really the, uh, the thrust of it. Again, that is, uh, those judgments are really quite short. And presumably you could also mount an argument on the basis of Section 111 of the Local Government Act 1972, which provides subsidiary powers of local authorities, doesn't it? Well, uh, we think that's right, but... That's still got to be tested by the court. And if I may say so, Mark, I think that was originally your, your brain charge when we discussed this case. Well, I couldn't possibly comment on that, but um, certainly uh, an interesting point because that act or that section of the act gives a local authority the power to do anything calculated to facilitate or being conducive to the discharge of any of its functions. And of course, one of the local authorities' functions is under Part 3 of the Environmental Protection Act. Yes. Well, I'm hopeful about that. 
My case is slightly different because the, uh, the notice in question, which I've seen elsewhere, is one you'll remember, which has a schedule which contains a provision allowing us to vary the other provisions within the schedule. Now, we are saying that uh, we have an express right to vary the conditions also set out in the schedule by reason of the express variation clause. So that's rather different from ex parte Everett and uh, the section 111 argument, which you've kindly shown to me. Well, it, it still sounds to me like your argument would be consistent with and serving to promote rather than undermine the legislative scheme. So let's see where it goes. Well, I mean, that's also true. I, I'm encouraged somewhat because in the leading practitioner textbook on statutory nuisance, they have at least a heading which says not just the power to withdraw an abatement notice, but the power to withdraw or vary an abatement notice. Although I see that in the actual text underneath that, there's nothing whatsoever about varying a notice. My other reason for optimism is there's an excellent textbook, an academic textbook by Mr Murphy, uh, and he too says uh, within the text that there is a power to withdraw, and then he has in brackets, or vary, an abatement notice. So that's where we are, and time will tell favourably to uh, the arguments which I or we have put forward, Mark. Well, it sounds like the next edition of the book might require some updating. Thank you for listening to this Wiglaw podcast. To find out more, either about me or about my specialist interests, go to my website, www.gordonwignall.co.uk or connect with me on LinkedIn.